Welcome back to Deja Vu, the show where we talk about films and their lasting impacts. I'm Sydney Brumfield. And I'm Therese Kniers. And today we will be talking about the 2016 film Moonlight. Directed by Barry Jenkins, with a screenplay by Barry Jenkins, and a story by the acclaimed playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney, Moonlight depicts the life of Chiron in three different chronicles titled Little, Chiron, and Black. The film highlights Chiron's struggle with self-identity, masculinity, and surviving poverty in and around Miami, Florida. So, for some context, <laughs> months ago, uh, when I broached the topic to Therese about doing a series talking about queer films, Therese immediately went, can we do Moonlight? Like, can we please do Moonlight? <laughs> this has been the film that you have just wanted to include since the beginning and I was wondering if you could just elaborate for me what you love about it. Oh, okay. So there's so much to love about it. There's just, there's so much to love about <laughs> it. Um, uh, I've seen it so many times. This is my portrait of a lady on fire. Let's go. This is, this is my, this is mine. Um, the, this, like, this, this film is, Moonlight is what got me into wanting to make films and, like, wanting to be a screenwriter, wanting to, um, like, do this professionally mm -hmm. um, because of, like, genuinely, like, how breathtaking it is. Like, the cinematography is incredible. The lighting design is incredible. Um, the way that they use... Because the, the title of Moonlight, like, it comes up very briefly, like, mm -hmm. when they say, like, well, in, in the moonlight, black boys look blue. Mm -hmm. And, and, oh, and then the blue. Literally, it gives me goosebumps. Oh, yeah. I like, can't I just got chills. And I was like, oh. I just got chills. The, the, the use of blue lighting, mm -hmm. not only to depict this, like, said moonlight, mm -hmm. but to also depict, like, the emotions surrounding mm -hmm. everything that's happening and how everything feels so blue. Yeah. All the time. But, like, the ocean is also blue. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I'm already getting into it. It's just, oh, like, oh, it's just, it's fantastic. And it you experience Chiron's life as he's experiencing it. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like this movie is a memory. Like, Ooh. that's what I like to think of it as. It's, yeah. the, it's a memory where you have all these segments that make up the one story, mm -hmm. but it's not the story of his life. Mm -hmm. It's the story of like, the, it's the story of his sexuality and coming to terms with yeah. it, but coming of age as well. And mm -hmm. like, it's not just his life. It's the small snippets that make up its own story mm -hmm. within the story of his life. Yeah. I think that's amazing and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's this, uh, I could only echo everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. I think it's incredibly powerful also the way they break up mm -hmm. his life. Yes. Um, feels very, like, against the grain to what mm -hmm. we typically see. Yeah. And I also kind of like the, you know, narratively how this is told because there's no backstory. There's yeah. no this happened, this happened, this happened. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in the first five minutes... The way they introduce um, Juan's character, like, yeah. brilliant. You know everything you need to know about that <sighs> character. And they do that with every single section. Yes. Um, and it it really, I think, Moonlight, for, for me anyway, is, like, 
definitely one of those like film experiences mm -hmm. and I, I think that's what's so beautiful about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's definitely an experience and like, oh, the, the, the scene where he, um, he, he's the one is introduced like, yeah, is so, so meaningful because, yeah. oh, I, I can, I can literally go on 800 tangents about it. Yeah. About just like random scenes and like the importance or like the importance of when um, Chiron's mother's introduced mm. that she's wearing scrubs, mm -hmm. but then at, uh, at the end when she's in rehab, yeah. she's wearing her scrubs, but it's not her nursing scrubs anymore. Yeah. Oh, oh, just, oh. And the way they depict that with, you know, there's no, you don't see her coming in with like her back, like there's no, oh, the shift at the hospital today was just yeah. so rough. You it's, just take it as it comes. Yeah, like everything. Or yes. like the way they show the passage of time visually with like, color yes. but also like it just the texture of the film changes throughout each section or just like little details where in the beginning when um Juan and Little at the time because yeah. that's what he was called then yeah. are in the car the fact that they have like the cd rack on top just to mm -hmm. show that it's not now yeah like, just little details like that I think this film was clearly made with so much love and like tenderness yes. and I think that comes through yeah and that and like elements like that is why I think it feels like a memory instead of mm. like like a traditional like film is because well it is semi-autobiographical yes like yeah. the source material is mm -hmm. and um so in that element yes but also like just like the tiny like details that like are so important but they're not like explicitly stated yeah. because like they're important, but since it's just like life as it happens, yeah. like you just like experience, you're just experiencing things and, and you're experiencing, yeah, I, I said this, but you're experiencing the, the film as you're experiencing Chiron's life as he's experiencing it. Yeah. Experience, experience, experience. <laughs> so, Interestingly, this is the only film of this season that mm -hmm. we've been talking about, all of these different queer films, that um, was not only nominated at the Academy Awards, but also ended up winning in three different categories. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, what do you think sets this apart from some of the other films we've watched this semester? Or, like, same, like, talking point, um, what do you think made you know, the Academy, able to not only nominate, but like, you know, vote mm -hmm. for this film in these categories compared to some of the other films that we've watched? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, uh, just to start off, I think this is the most deserving of a Bex picture win, yeah. like in literally like the past like 20 years. Yeah. Um, I don't think, like, my my second to that is Coda oh. that uh, just won yes. this yeah. past year, um, both underdog films. Yeah. Um, but this like this, like, oh, it it just because no one expected it to win. Yeah. And then the La La Land thing happened, which I think which honestly overshadowed its win. It did astronomically. It did because every time you bring up Moonlight, um, yeah. people will go, oh, I don't know that film, and I'm like. It's the thing yeah. from the Oscars mm -hmm. with the La La Land. And they're like, oh, I've never seen it. Yeah. And it's like, you should. There's an entire SNL it's... sketch about it. Yeah, that, that SNL sketch is good. <laughs> we bring up SNL every episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want an insight to how we're doing, 
yeah. Oh, yeah, on a, on a queer films podcast talking about SNL, uh, just throwing thought? in here, uh, Dave Chappelle, get off yeah. of SNL. We didn't watch your episode. I, I, didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I we refused didn't, to. We didn't watch your episode, and we don't like you. Yeah. Um, but... I agree it. with you. It's definitely most deserving. Yeah. I was I was happy most, it was. Most I just deserving. think it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Because it's, in my opinion, like unapologetically like queer, a critique of poverty, like a critique of addiction, like yeah, tackling all these massive things that it's I, an it's an all black cast. Yeah. It uh like it's so important to yeah. so many marginalized groups. Yeah. And it was just completely overshadowed by a mistake yeah. that someone made that, like, didn't even matter, man. Yeah. That's, it's crazy, though, because, like, literally 30 minutes before this, I was on TikTok, and I was scrolling, and there was one of those, like, photo, like, oh, where you swipe. Yeah. And um, it was reactions to when Moonlight was wow. revealed. To, and I was like, this is so TikTok weirdly. I know. I was like, this is weirdly topical. But, like, in those pictures, like, you can see, like, um, like the actors that played, like, young Kevin and yeah. Little. Like, they're like, they're like, oh, my God, yeah. in the pictures. And then um, the one who plays, like, teen Kevin also, oh. he's like, like, he looks very visibly excited. I just did, like, a scream face at Sydney, but I realized it doesn't translate <laughs> for podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. But but back to, like, what I was saying yeah. uh, originally before I went off on this weird That's tangent. That's right. I loved it. Um, uh, I think, like, to this day, I think I'm, I'm still a bit shocked that the Oscars did the right thing and actually did award, yeah. award this one, Beck's Picture. Yeah. Because, like, it was... Uh, like in my opinion, the best film yes. that came out yeah, this like year, un- undeniably. undeniably, yeah. And but like you know how the Oscars are, and that's what I mean. Like yeah. I, I think I'm still shocked by it. And right. when I was researching it, there are only 28, and that's kind of a stretch, because mm-hmm. um, you have to, at least in our you know realm of critiquing, yeah, not really authentically queer films, right? But some critics say between 28 and 29 queer films that have actually been nominated at the Oscars. Right. Even less than that have won. Mm-hmm. And so and even more so, almost all of those are queer people um, portrayed by straight people and written by like straight people. Right. Um and incredibly white. So it's just so like So white. I love that Moonlight won. I hope possibly we can continue to yeah. move in that direction because I don't I, what's so scary when a film like that wins mm-hmm. is I think um we've seen this a lot where people saw this with Parasite where it's yeah. like oh we've done like enough now yeah like okay like you you got Moonlight you got Parasite uh can't yeah. you just be happy with that when mm-hmm. it's so clearly missing the, the point and there's so much more than just like one award one award yeah like, like awards are great and I think awards are very important to like like how we consume media yes. honestly like yeah. especially now yeah um but I like like just because you're awarding this film like you're not giving this, you're still not giving the attention yeah. that these like films deserve especially like like Moonlight it's a story that goes completely untold like yeah. it's it's masculine gay men and yeah. black gay men mm-hmm. and they're just both who, of whom are chronically ignored. Yes. In queer films. Yep. Like chronically ignored. Like, 
Um, like we're and we were saying this with Tangerine, too, yeah, because um, Tangerine is another one with chronically ignored. I think did did, did Tangerine, Tangerine came out the same year. Uh, it did, and it was the the first year that they lobbied for the two lead actresses to get nominated. Uh-huh. So it was uh, I was reading about it. It was the first like trans actor uh-huh. campaign. Oh, okay. Like, Actually, because oh wow, if you if you don't know this, the the Oscars are incredibly political, and it's yeah, it, you have to campaign and spend like an an exuberant amount of money See, to, to get that this. nomination. I know this from BoJack Horseman. <laughs> 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 it was perfect, Thank and you. so Tangerine marked it was it was the first time that um, that campaigning had mm-hmm. been done for a, a trans actress, um, right, or just actor in general right but um yeah it did it did come out the which i didn't even realize until you just said that actually well it came out in 2015 would it have been at the same oscar it probably would have been the same oscar year then maybe yeah Uh, but hmm. yeah it's really interesting because we we always like to talk about the authenticity of queer film mm-hmm. and you were saying this is like semi-autobiographical and I think it's super fascinating because it's like a combination of Jenkins and McCraney's like life where you know McCraney is a gay man mm-hmm. um, even though Jenkins the director is not mm-hmm. and um, Jenkins in the screenplay like brought so many elements of his youth um, and then you know, struggling to have, like, a mom who had a problem with addiction. And then the flip side of that, like, the other side of this concoction uh, mm-hmm. is that McCraney has said in, in um, I forget who the interview was with, but that despite being a queer man, he's never had, quote, a coming out moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, personally, A, I just love that that moment didn't exist in this film. Yeah. Because I get tired when that's all queer media is, is yeah. just the story of coming out when mm-hmm. there's so much more to that and I think right. this film captures that mm-hmm. but I think the combination of the two of them just created this like you said like like a memory almost but like such a compelling and just grounded story mm-hmm. that is rarely told ever yeah yeah and I, like every queer film does not need a coming out scene correct I'm so over it and like it doesn't need this like this, okay, this movie is already really, like, a lot. Like, yeah. a lot happens in it. And it could like, have been more, too. And it could have been more, and it wasn't. But it, like, it didn't need a harrowing scene where mm-hmm. um, where Black comes out and gets, like, not accepted or he gets, yeah. like, brutalized or he gets verbally, like, abused. Like, I don't, I don't need that. There's yeah. so much heartbreak in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing to see that they left that out. And, like, the people in Chiron's life who actually care about him, like Kevin, like Teresa, mm-hmm. like Juan before he dies, like, yeah. they they all, like, know. Yeah. So he doesn't need to tell them. Because yeah. they know. They have an understanding. They understand yeah. each other. And, like, we were talking about this in Portrait, mm-hmm. but... Um, uh, this movie also utilizes silence in, like, oh, a really yeah. wonderful way. Yeah. And, like, the way that, like, Little won't talk for, like, most of yeah. his section at all. And, um, like, the way, like, like, oh, and, and just, he's not talkative, but when he does say stuff, it's so, like, 
everything he says is like dripping with meaning. Yeah. And I think like having a character like that come out wouldn't feel true mm. to the character and like it would it would keep him from like going through the the arc that he's supposed to be going on because like yeah. truly like him coming out would not change how this arc is supposed to go. No. Not at all. And, like, the focus is not that he's, like, queer and closeted. Yeah. Like, the focus of the story is that he's grappling with the queer identity and seeing how that can coexist with his, like, with his race and with his gender. Yeah. And, like, how that can all, like, coexist together and, like, work and make him whole. Like, it's not about a coming out scene. Yeah. I think, like, on the topic of that, like, this, this film is three different sections Mm -hmm. and they have six different sets of actors to portray the the two primary characters throughout the three different stages of their lives Mm -hmm. and I think what's truly admirable is the way that all three actors um playing Sharon um Mm -hmm. capture him as a character because I I especially love like on um you know trying to tackle this like internal like anguish surrounding just like having to be having to be this like masculine figure Mm -hmm. um the actor um Trevante Rhodes who plays black yeah like captures the little like idiosyncrasies that Mm -hmm. um the actor who plays little um his name is Alex Herbert does where it's like he like ducks his head away and like starts to get quiet and bashful despite being like jacked and wearing a grill and like yeah now a mass like drug dealer yes but like seems to be like he's, drug lord almost like he's leader. like he's like running things he says yeah. he like builds his way up, up. Yeah. yeah and i i think the the utilization of these you know different portions like could have made it and i'm sure in like the pre-production stages did make it incredibly hard to you know capture the massive theme that you were just talking about um, but instead, I think it's incredibly beautiful and impactful. Um, I was just curious, what do you think um, your favorite section is? You know, there's the the first one, which they titled Little. Then there's mm-hmm. Chiron, and then there's Black. So I, I wasn't sure if you did have one. And going off of that, if you had a favorite actor who portrayed him during that period of his life. Oh, my God. Such a hard I know. question. Um, so I, like, I really, it's such a close race, um, yeah. but I think my favorite portion is Chir- is Chiron's, yeah. the, the second section. Um, because, okay, because every section is a cohesive beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. which is also something really unique and wonderful about this film, because it, like, it works as an overarching narrative, but it yeah. also, it's three different stories. Yeah. All together. Ugh. And, uh, Ah, the arc in that section, like, section two, like, it's just heart-wrenching. And it shows you that, like, you can try and try all you can, and the system can just just fail you. Yeah. And there's nothing that you can do. And, like, the the scene where he's in, I think it's, like, the principal's office or, like, yeah. the counselor after he gets beat up. Mm-hmm. And um, she she's like, well, if you had taken care of it, like there'd be yeah. four other boys here with you. And he starts crying, like, yeah. like, uh, like he's he's like screaming and asking yeah. for help all the time, and no one is listening to him. Because you know you're you're a 
you're a young man. You should be able to, right, handle those things on your own. And then when he does handle it on his own, he gets arrested. arrested. It's just, like, ah, uh, the complex, like, contradictions within toxic masculinity yeah. baffle me consistently. Yeah. And, like, everyone is always pushing him to be, to- like, yeah. this toxic masculine role throughout this, in- like, throughout little, like, the little section uh, a good amount, but yeah. mostly during Chiron section, yeah. like, pushing him to be someone he's not yeah. and to, like, fight back and whatever. And then he finally does, and it ends up, he ends up in a worse position than he was in already. Yeah. And, like, uh, and the and the juxtaposition between the scene with uh, Teresa and Chiron oh. and then Chiron and his mom mm-hmm. back to back. Yeah. So is so jarring and it forces you to remember why he's even close with Teresa in the first place. Yeah. Like why does he go to this lady's house? Like it's it's cuz like his mom like failed him. Yeah. And she's not ever there for him and when she is like when she is physically there, she's not mentally no. there, not yeah. at all. Ugh, and uh, I cannot I cannot pick a <laughs> I cannot pick a favorite <laughs> performance. You cannot make me <laughs> You can't do That's it. That's fine. I can't either. Oh, so. the whole cast is incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And um, I picked my top three. Okay. I was able to narrow it down to three. Okay. Um, Trevante Rhodes. Yes. Is fantastic. We yes. already said this. Fantastic as well. We black. know this. He has, like, the nuances of every emotion his character feels. You can see it on yeah. his face and in his eyes, yeah. even when his exterior is still hard. Yeah. And, like, that takes so much talent I can go on forever. And then, uh, like, he, he's t- been told his whole life he needs to be, like, hard and act hard. And then he finally appears this way. He's still, like, you can still tell he's just scared. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to be that person. And, like, when Kevin is like, like, you're this is not you. This is not what I would expect you to be doing. Like, yeah. I wouldn't expect you to look like this. It's like, ah, because yeah. he's been, like, forced into this thing. And you can see, like on his face, how he reacts to that, mm-hmm. like, information. Oh, Trevante Rhodes is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Um, side note, when I was watching this with uh, my boyfriend and my roommate, mm-hmm. um, she goes, she goes, oh, my God, is that the guy from Bird Box? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I went, yeah. And she went, oh, I've never seen Bird Box. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? That's funny. I was you like, should know him from this. I was like, you should know him from this movie, A. And yeah. B, why do you know him from Bird Box? You haven't yeah. even seen Bird Box. That's crazy. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> we have to stay focused. But, <laughs> ah, okay. But then, um, my my other two picks. Yes. Uh, Marshala Ali. Yeah. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I, I yeah. struggle with a lot of letters. Um, his performance is exceptional, exceptional. Yeah. And uh, he has, like, all the dimension that comes with playing such a, like, a nuanced, very layered character. Yeah. Um, like, uh, he he won the Academy Award for this, yes. too, um, which obviously deserved. Obviously uh, yeah. deserved. I think he is the first uh, Muslim actor to win I think as, so well, as well which is really awesome yeah. and also on on this note I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place today okay. uh, <laughs> all good thank you um uh, I think it's also the first black woman to win an editing award for this film as yeah. well which is really awesome hmm. because like 
women in editing is very rare as it is. So black, yeah. wo- black woman winning an award in editing is awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he was the first muzzle man to win for for the Oscar. Amazing performance. Yeah. The scene where he, Teresa and Little are at the kitchen table, oh. and he has the whole scene about like what the F slur means yeah. and like. Um, like that he sells drugs yeah um and like the nuance and like and like when little goes like do you sell drugs and he's like yeah and he's like does my mom do drugs and he and like he doesn't have to say anything else Mm -hmm. and he just knows and like you see his his face as he's processing like the grief of this because right before it as well like it's the scene with um with uh, Naomi Harris, who plays yeah. his mom, which is my third pick. Yeah. Um, the scene where she's like, what, are you going to raise my son? Like, you're selling me drugs. Yeah. Like, oh. And oh. apparently they shot all of her scenes in the span of, like, I read it was, like, days. What? Yeah. Like, what? Like, and that what makes it, like, even more insane. That's crazy. That it's, like, she had to, like, it was something with, like, scheduling. It's, like, they had to shoot her scenes, like, back to back to back. And like, oh my god! Yeah, and, and I'm like, she t- like she has like in. a physical transformation yeah. too. What? Yeah, oh I my I god. think her performance in this is like I think one of the most like captivating and like yeah. I was in awe like watching her. I was honestly kind of upset that like she wasn't yeah nominated for anything because I think like they kind of fumbled with that one. I think she would have. I think she would have done well. Yeah. Um, in the awards circuit, but... Wait, those are three incredible picks. It, just incredible. And, like, yeah. oh, they're, they're, those are my three standouts. Yeah. But, like, like Janelle Monet is incredible in this. I always forget she's in it, even though I've seen it so many yes. times. And then yeah. she pops up, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I always forget. And then um, uh, the actors playing Little and, uh, like, Lot, yeah. the young Kevin, they're both, yeah. they're both fantastic, too. And, they are. Oh, just... So many amazing performances in such yeah. an amazing, incredible film. Yeah. T- taking in this film for all that it is, mm-hmm. the complex themes, nature versus nurture, motherhood, mm-hmm. addiction, homosexuality, acceptance of homosexuality, mm-hmm. um, homophobia, as well as, I think you described it very, very well, just like the beautiful cinematography, yes. just attention to detail, amazing talent, what would you rate this film? Five out of five on Letterboxd. <laughs> no notes. No notes. This is this is in my top ten films of all time, yeah. which is uh, a crazy list, by the way. We oh. won't get into it, but it is it is it is a list that like you look at it and you're like, okay, I don't know what kind of person this is, but this is. <laughs> this I'm is, intrigued. Yeah, like okay. It's like, it's like, why is When Harry Met Sally, Moonlight, oh, and Whiplash... That's on my list, too. Really? Yeah. That's my favorite movie ever. This is why we work so well oh, together. Yes. Oh. That's, that's literally my favorite movie in the whole world. But, yeah. yes, Moonlight is on my top ten. I love it so much, and I love it ev- even more every re- rewatch. Yeah. Like, it's one of those that you can, you can watch time and time and time again and notice new things and pick up on new, like smidgens of a second where like someone has like a, a motion flash over their face for like yeah. five for like a point five second yeah. and you're like oh my goodness this yeah. adds a new layer i didn't even expect yeah, yeah. i also gave it a five out of five oh, i think this yes. film like quite literally is perfect 
um, and just crafted with so much care yeah and so much lo- like this is a film also just about love yeah and i loved that and a side of love i don't think you get to see i think where like love fails people yeah and i think it's really powerful and mm-hmm. with that this is the last episode of ah. this season no i know um when Teresa and i when the two of us were thinking about you know what we were gonna talk about the semester. We had a couple of uh, different ideas, and um, I really wanted to take this opportunity to talk about something that I know I'm incredibly passionate about, and I know mm-hmm. you are as well. Yeah. Um, which is inclusion and diversity in film. Uh, as with most of the series that I've completed for Deja Vu, um, I do want to call attention um, or draw attention to mm-hmm. <laughs> the immense need for more inclusion, more employment, yeah. and more diversity in film, more than we could even talk about in this season. Yeah. Um, looking back on the series, we've highlighted, I think, a great sample of queer films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can be very easy to draw the conclusion that we've done enough. <laughs> we did it, guys. We, we did it, Joe. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done. Um, But I just wanted to share, according to a GLAAD study published in 2019, only 8.8 of mainstream television on-screen characters identify as LBGTQ+. Their study in 2018 says only 18.2% of all major studio releases featured LGBTQ plus characters, but emphasized that on average these characters had less than three minutes of screen time. That's crazy. Three minutes is yeah. literally On average. nothing. That's yeah. insane. So I don't actually know if I would count that as 18.2%. Yeah. I feel like that's not even a character if they have less than three minutes yeah. of screen what time. What does this count? Like the Disney movies where they'll be like, we have a gay character. What, and where it's a character a cop, kisses someone on the head? And it's a cop cyclops. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, and then according to a study done by UCLA's Williams School of Law, of LGBTQ plus um, employed film respondents that were surveyed uh, believed that directors and producers in the industry are continually biased against LGBTQ plus performers in hiring. On Mm. set, more than half of LGBTQ plus performers have heard anti-LGBT comments. Uh, This study was conducted in 2013 and is titled, quote, Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, Diversity, and Entertainment, end quote, if you would like to see more information about this. Um, In short, I don't think we're anywhere near the amount of inclusion and representation we as a community deserve in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and especially behind the camera. When I was trying to research this, there is little study done on this at all. Right. Um, which makes it incredibly hard for us to even know, you know, how many queer people are being employed behind the camera. Yeah. Um, based off of the immense research that I've done mm-hmm. in this, as well as um, femme non-binary inclusion behind the camera. Yeah. I think it's easy to say that it is staggeringly low. Yeah. Uh, so much of our work, also when it is depicted, is based in stereotypes and inauthentic. There appears to be a growing trend in Hollywood of loving to monetize an ever-changing and diverse audience, but not wanting to hire us to actually tell, write, produce, direct, or star in our own stories. Mm -hmm. And I know as two queer um, femme non-binary people, it's incredibly, incredibly frustrating to be somebody who wants to break into this industry and create content. Um, So my 
last thing would just be, if you can take anything away from Teresa and I this semester, mm -hmm. please watch authentic queer media. Please. Please. Because also it's entertaining. It's also it's good. so good. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, grow up. <laughs> grow grow up. up. Come on. Come on now. You're an adult. Ugh. Watch Moonlight. Literally. God. Ugh. But, um, so, not only is this the last episode of the season, but this is Sydney's last episode of Deja Vu. Yeah. And we here at Deja Vu, a.k.a. me, <laughs> um, I'm going to miss you so, so much. And you're going to do amazing things oh, in Los it. Angeles. Stop. And uh, this season has been an amazing experience. And oh. I'm so lucky to have been given this opportunity to work with you on this. Oh. And I'm looking forward to carrying on our little, our little podcast. Oh. Thank you, Therese. Um, and thank you, Deja Vu, in general, for having me. Uh, this has been my fourth season with the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a whole, this is an experience that I will always be grateful for. Mm -hmm. I think probably one of the things that I'm most proud of having made mm -hmm. so far in my professional career. Um, so just know I'm so happy to be passing this on to you, Therese. And I cannot wait to hear what you're gonna produce next season? I yeah. cannot wait. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy and feral. Let me know. <laughs> I'm between two ideas for the next season. Sydney, I think Sydney knows both of them, but they're a surprise. So shh. But let me know if I should post a Twitter poll of which one to do. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> let me know. Um, but uh, next season, I'm gonna be joined by a slew of guests where we talk about new theme, new films, new things to geek out about, new things to scream about in the, <laughs> in the, uh, the podcast studio. So uh, tune in to spring of 2023 for more of the best film podcast in the whole world, which is this one, if you could not guess. Um, so for the last time, bye, bye queers. queers. Oh, Therese, <laughs> I love you. Good luck. I love you so Good much. Good luck. <laughs> Check out theithican.org for more interesting and creative content. You can listen to any of the Ithacan podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at theithican.org. Thank you so much.